Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Revelation, chapter 21. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. No more sea doesn't mean there's no more water. It simply indicates that the new earth will have a different arrangement as far as water is concerned. Now notice John goes on to say, not only is there a new heaven, a new earth, a new creation, but also a new capital. Notice John said, I saw the holy city of Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Hebrews chapter 12, if you're taking notes, tells us that that this is the Jerusalem of hope. Galatians chapter 4, verse 26 tells us this is the Jerusalem above. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20 tells us this is the place of our citizenship. And then notice John uses the most striking, beautiful image he can think of. The most beautiful thing a man will ever see is his bride coming down the aisle, ready to meet him. And John says that this is how beautiful the new Jerusalem will be. It looks like a bride adorned for her husband. This word adorn in the Greek language is cosmetics. In other words, the bride, the church, is going to get a makeover. Don't you like those shows where people get a makeover? A lot of them really need it. It just slipped out. I'm sorry. (laughs) The bride gets a makeover. It's awesome. This bride gets, gets made over and now she's ready. The church is ready for the wedding. Now, some people will tell you that this city, Jerusalem, they'll say it's the church. It is the church, they'll tell you. The city is the church. I don't think so. I think it's very, very clear. I think it's a literal city whose dimensions are 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles by 1,500 miles. It is a huge city. I had one of our staff members go and, and, and pull out a map, and, uh, and, I, and I said, find out how, what's the distance, you know, where, where would we be if we went 1,500 miles, 15, 15, 15, because I'm awful with maps. I'm horrible with maps. And so I'm one of those guys that need directions like, you know, make a right, get to here, make a left. Some, some people like, go north, go south. I'm like, stop. I'll never get there. And so I had him go find out. And this is what he came up with. This would the 1500-1500 would be in Revelation 21, verse 16. If you fast forward, you'll see it there. But, But here's what it would be. It would be like going from Raleigh to Denver to New York to Houston and back to Raleigh. That's the size of this city, according to verse 16 of this chapter. But the most important thing about the city is not the size of the city. The fact is, heaven is heaven not because 
it's beautiful, or streets of gold, or that there are pearly gates. And Peter most certainly is standing at the gate. As in all stories, Peter is always standing at the gate. But that's not what makes heaven heaven. What makes heaven heaven is the fact that Jesus is there. Amen? That's what makes heaven heaven, the fact that God is there. You know, it was Friday night at the Harvest Crusade. Um, uh, Pastor Greg Laurie was talking about heaven. And he said, he said this, I thought it was great. He says, I don't care if heaven is in the super Walmart. He said, the best thing about heaven is the fact that God is there. And that is so true. In the new heaven and the new earth, we will experience the visible, tangible kabod, the glory of God in heaven. And it won't be fuzzy. And we won't be trying to grasp on the God like we do when we're praying or calling out to God and, or we're in communion service. And we're like, God, come, Lord, touch me. Lord, come down and be in this place. We sang the song, come down from your holy mountain. We won't do that in heaven. In heaven, we'll be able to touch God. We will know as we are known in heaven, the visible presence, tangible presence of God will be there in heaven. And we will experience God to his fullest in heaven. Someone once said, we only use 10% of our brains right now. And you've probably heard that. I know some people use less than that, but uh, no, in heaven, in our glorified bodies, we'll be able to experience God to its fullest capacity. Isn't that awesome? It's going to be pretty amazing. Notice what John goes on to say in verse 3. John says, then I heard a loud voice. A loud voice, a great voice. Now this is the, the last of the 21 times that the term great voice or loud voice is mentioned. And this great and loud voice tells us of the greatness of what is about to be said. Notice, behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he shall dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself will be with them, and he'll be their God. That word dwell is the Greek word. It means tent. Same word, John chapter 1, verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt, or tent, among us. The word dwelt is tabernacled. In other words, Jesus tabernacled or pitched his tent among us. And here the work of salvation is complete, and God himself is to dwell with his people. And notice this new Jerusalem. The new Jerusalem is distinct. I want you to notice something here. The new Jerusalem is distinct by what it does not have. By what is not there. Notice there are no tears in verse 4. There's no sorrow, no death, and no pain. Later on in Revelation we'll find out in the new Jerusalem it has no temple, no sacrifice, no sin, no moon, no darkness, no sin at all. In the new Jerusalem, there's the presence of God and the absence of sin. The presence of God and the absence of sin in the new Jerusalem in heaven. You know, it was John Lennon that wrote that song, Imagine There Is No Heaven. I'm like, no. I don't want to imagine there's no heaven. If I imagined there was no heaven, this life would be awful. I don't want to imagine there is no heaven. How about imagine that there is a heaven? How about imagine this, that in this heaven, there is no pain. 
There's no sadness. There's no sickness. There's no, there, there's no, there, no suffering. Nothing, no, nothing, no sin in heaven. Imagine in heaven. There's no managed health care. Which is somewhat evil. Amen. It's awful. Imagine in heaven people living with the Lord. No hospitals, no funeral homes, no crime, no taxes, no television, no internet, no lies, no divorce, no broken promises or broken homes or broken hearts. Imagine in heaven there's no anthrax and terrorist attacks and West Nile viruses. Imagine. In heaven, the Bible says, the former things will pass away in heaven. You know, I was thinking about this. You know how often we think that when we get to heaven because of our, the loved ones who don't know the Lord and, and they, they, they didn't give their lives to Christ and they chose not to participate in the marriage supper feast. And they're not Christians and we think, man, when we get to heaven, we're going to be sad because our loved ones aren't there. Listen, no. It's interesting, No. In heaven, there will be no sadness. So you won't remember the former things in heaven. Now, I can't explain that. I can only tell you that that's what the Bible says, that there'll be no sadness in heaven, no tears, no crying in heaven. So God is going to wipe away that, that piece of your memory. In the same vein, in heaven, get this, we will know each other in heaven. Isn't that interesting? We will know each other in heaven. We'll know each other's name in heaven. It's an interesting, uh, uh, there'll be no name tags in heaven. Had you thought of that? There'll be no name tags. And get this, not only will we know each other, but we will also know those that we have never met in heaven. How do you know that, Rodney? Matthew chapter 17, you know the story. It's on the Mount of Transfiguration. And Peter is there, and guess who shows up? Jesus, Moses, and Elijah. And Peter says, Peter's everywhere in the Bible. You notice that? He's, he's at the gate, he's on the mountain, he's everywhere. And Peter says, oh, it's good for us to be here. He says, let's build three tabernacles. He says, one for Moses, one for Elijah, and one for you, Jesus. Now, when you look at Matthew 17, we can see that there was never an introduction. You know, Jesus, Peter, meet Elijah, Elijah, Peter. Uh, Moses, Peter, J Elijah, Peter, James, John, Moses, meet Moses. Um, I mean, Moses has a dual personality, I guess. You know. <laughs> Moses, meet yourself there. Oh, hi, Mo. You know, in, in heaven, there'll be no name tags. We'll know each other. We'll know those that, that, that we've never even met. Very interesting. In heaven, the former things will pass away. The presence of God and the absence of grief. Notice in verse 5 and 6, this is one of the few times in Revelation we see God speaking directly from his throne. Notice he says, behold, I make all things new. Now, this is written in the present tense. It literally says, behold, I am making everything new. This is the consummation of God's work, renewal and redemption. And notice it says, it is done, not it is finished. It is done is the statement of a carpenter who has just completed his work. It is done. Jesus, 
You ever thought about it? He made everything we see in six days. We, we, we talked about that in time past. You look at the earth, and I've traveled around several countries in the world, and so have you, and several states in the United States, and so have you, and North Carolina, absolutely beautiful here. And you can go to some places and see falls and waters and streams and rocks and mountains, and, and, and it's beautiful, God's creation, and he made all of this in six days. Can you imagine what our home is going to be like in heaven in 2,000 years has been in construction? It's going to be awesome. It's going to be pretty amazing. This home, it is done. Notice it doesn't say it's a fixer-upper. Yeah, I know how we are when we buy a house. As soon as you get in there one week, you're like, oh, honey, can you knock out this wall and put some skylights in here? Can we add a room addition over here? And Can we do this? Can we do that in this home that we just bought? Listen, in heaven, you won't need to do that. It will be perfect. It says it is done. It is finished, done, complete. It's a perfect house for you. Notice in verse 7 and 8, John says, to the one who overcomes, who is that? That's, that's those who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. Those who have overcome this world that are trying to lead a life that is pleasing to the Lord. It means those that have overcome temptation. Those that have overcome the temptation to quit. It means those that, that don't stop following Jesus. To the one who overcomes, he shall inherit all things and I will be his God and he shall be my son. Now, it is with verses like this, listen, there is a whole group of people out there that would look at a verse like this in verse 7 and they would seek to, it's a whole movement seeking to make the Bible gender neutral. In other words, they want to, this group wants to take out all references to son and father and his and him, take out all of those references and replace them with people, humanity, to make the Bible gender neutral. And I'm thinking to myself, are, are these guys reading the same Bible I am? Don't they know that the Bible says that we are not to add to nor take away from the scriptures? We're not, and if we do, then God will take our name out of the book of life. So we're not to add to nor take away from the scriptures. The word son simply speaks of humanity. It speaks of all people. Chill out. You know, it's, what is it, Romans 8, 8, 14. For as many as are led by the spirit, they are the sons of God. They'd seek to take that out. Well, listen here, let's give them this one. The Bible says that, fellas, us men, folks, we are considered the bride of Christ. So what's the big deal? I mean, chill out, take a chill pill. I mean, it's going to be okay, relax. We are his sons. We are his people. We shall be his sons and his daughters, let me add. And then notice in verse 8, in closing, the cowardly, notice this in verse 8, the cowardly, those who refuse to stand up for Christ, the unbelieving, those who refuse to trust the Lord, the abominable, this word literally means foul or stench or even stinky. This is a person who claims to be one thing but does another like a hypocrite. First John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, we walk in darkness, we lie and do not tell the truth. 
And notice the sexually immoral, the pornographer, the idolaters, and all liars, all habitual liars, shall have their place in the lake of fire. We talked about this. The lake of fire and hell are two different locations. Hell is the place where people go when they die today. Now, people are in hell. The Bible says that God is going to cast the false prophet, the beast, the antichrist, hell, and all those who are unbelievers into the lake of fire. And it is there where they will stay forever and ever and ever and ever. All those who reject Christ, unfortunately, will find themselves in hell, in the lake of fire, forever and ever. How sad. But to the Christian, it's a brand new day. It is a brand new day. It's interesting, the contrast, as you look at the book of Genesis and you look at the book of Revelation, it's interesting to see the contrast. In Genesis, in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis, Genesis answers the question, how did it all begin? Revelation answers the question, how does it all end? In Genesis, Genesis gives us the beginning of sorrow and death. Here in the book of Revelation, it shows us the end of sorrow and death. Genesis tells us about paradise that was lost. Revelation shows us paradise that was restored. In the book of Genesis, we see fellowship with God is broken. And in Revelation, we see God dwelling among men. Very interesting. You see, that's what the book of Revelation is all about. People think it's about judgment and plagues and and God's judgment upon the earth and coming down on men and, ooh, it's scary. Don't read it because who can understand it anyway? And that's not what the book of Revelation is all about. All of those things are a means to an end. What's the end? The end is this. Jesus Christ is coming to rule and to reign upon the earth. Someday he is going to put away and put down sin and Satan forever and ever and ever. And he's doing all that. Why? Because he seeks to dwell among us. God walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis. Remember? That's God's plan, God's desire. He wants to walk with you. He wants to be with you. And the book of Revelation is simply leading us to that place where God can dwell among men and he can be with you. And all you need to do is simply say, God, I want you to be with me and I want to be with you. You know, God is a gentleman. We talked about that. He stands at the door and he knocks. He doesn't kick it in. He knocks and he says, I want to come in and be with you. Will you open the door and let me come in and dwell among you? Will you let me? And if you do, God says, I'll change your life. That's what God wants to do. And how does he do that? Well, he did it by sending his son Jesus to die on Calvary's cross that we might be saved, that we might be forgiven. The book of Revelation is leading us up to the fact that we can be with God forever. And I pray that it is your prayer and your heart is that you say, Lord, I want to be with you. God, I want to dwell with you, and I want you to dwell with me. Because he's coming soon, you guys. I really believe that there's no time to be playing around. There's no time to be sitting on the fence. Jesus is coming soon. 
And I pray that you receive him today before it's too late. He loves you. Jesus loves you. And he wants to change you. Will you let him? Will you let him? Stand to your feet, would you? And would you bow your heads and your hearts? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this word that encourages us. This word that is a a roadmap for life. Someone once said that it's basic instructions before leaving earth, the Bible. And Lord, we thank you for it. It leads us to you. It leads us to your presence. And Lord, we ask you by your spirit now that you would touch the hearts of those that that are here, that have heard this message, that have been touched by your spirit to say, I need to get my life right with God because I want God to dwell with me and I want to dwell with God. Those that are here that, that, that know that Jesus died for them and that he rose again on the third day, they believe that those that want to change in their lives. I pray, Father, you touch their hearts now. Cause them to cry out to you by your spirit. By your spirit, Lord. And I'd say to you, even this morning, as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, if you're here and you've never made a personal commitment to Jesus, I'd encourage you to do so today. Maybe doing the service and doing my teaching, the Spirit of God was just tapping on your heart, knocking on the door of your heart. Well, now's the time to open the door. Now's the time to say, Lord, come in. I want to receive you now. Or maybe you're here and you've been backslidden for many, many years. you've, You've turned away from God and Maybe at some point you've been walking with God, but somehow you found yourself far away. And and this morning you just woke up and said, I I think I'm going to go to that church over there, Calvary Chapel. I think I'm going to go there. Let me say to you, you didn't just wind up here. You're not here by happenstance. You're here because the Spirit of God led you here. You're here because God wants to touch you. God wants to save you today. God wants to do a new work in your life, a new work in your marriage, a new work in your children. God wants to move on your behalf, but you must let him do that. You must let him do that. And so I'd say to you this morning, even as the music is just playing and God is speaking to you, you say to me, Rodney, you know, I I, I want Jesus in my life. Or you say, Rodney, I I want to return to Jesus this, this morning and give my heart back to him. If that's you, I'd ask you to raise your hand this morning. I simply want to acknowledge you and pray for you. Is there one who is here this morning who, who just says, Lord, I want you. I want you to come into my life. I want to dwell with you and I want you to, to dwell with me. Is there one? Don't let Satan Turn your heart and rip you off and say, you've got time and you've got time on your hands. You're young and things to do. No, you don't have time. Listen, you don't have time. I see one there. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Father. And I see your hand there, ma'am. And if you keep that hand up just for a second, 
Is there another? Well, let Satan tell you you have time. You don't have time. Jesus is standing here now and saying, would you turn to me now? Choose ye this day whom you will serve. Is there another? Keep your hand up. Yes, sir. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, ma'am. Yeah, I see your hand there. Thank you, Lord. Go ahead and put your hands down. If you raised your hand this morning, I want to tell you something. God sees your hand. And more importantly, he sees your heart. And he sees the pain. He feels that pain. He sees those tears that you've shed. And he's here this morning to touch you, to dry those tears, and to heal you, and to replace the sadness with joy and laughter. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. Or you may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.